In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing vetting applicants. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Vetting Volunteers. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This verse is Acts 6, verse 3, and it reads like this, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom, whom we may appoint over this business. So a good verse for us today because anytime we're putting somebody in a position of authority or influence, we need to vet them. We need to look into what kind of character do they have. Um, you know, what kind of things might they have been up to in the past because the past is our only predictor of a person's future. Now, I get many of you out there, we like to think about second chances and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff, and certainly that's absolutely true. But people that have committed certain types of crimes are held accountable. There are consequences for those past behaviors. And so to tell somebody, you know, hey, you can't work with the children because of your past behavior, you know, that's something that they need to just understand. They can have second chances. There's other opportunities for them to volunteer in and around the church, but certainly we're not going to allow them to do that. If you had an embezzler, somebody white-collar crime, are you going to have them hire, you know, are you going to hire them or have them work with finances? It doesn't make any sense to do that. Not that we're not giving them a second chance. It's just we're giving them a second chance, but we're not going to put them in a situation where they might um, be tempted. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Some practical things that you can do to check people. And, uh, and, and you'll understand that more as we get into that. Before um, we move on, though, I do want to remind you to share this with your team, your staff, and other volunteers. And then have some conversations about uh, what we talk about today. And hopefully you can continue to move forward with your safety ministry to become better and better at things that historically churches and other houses of worship have been really bad at. So let's get into some news stories. I have a few of them here for you. The first one is Sweetwater, Texas, September 14, 2021. An evangelist slash pastor living in Kentucky was invited to preach in a two-week revival at a church in Sweetwater, Tennessee. During the revival, the pastor of the church heard about the evangelist but thought it was just gossip. Then one night, police came to where the evangelist was staying and arrested him. He was charged with failing to notify authorities in Kentucky and Tennessee that he would be at a church in Sweetwater for two weeks. He had been put on the sexual uh, um, offender registry in Arkansas and uh, registered in Kentucky when he moved there. Um, this was not the end of his record. Back in Kentucky again, he was arrested and booked twice um, the next year. The charges include, among others, two counts of first-degree sexual abuse. So here's a guy who's... 
going around leading revivals, and he's a sex offender, and he's avoiding um, the consequences of his crime, and he's not bringing it up. So I'm gonna. This is gonna sound really super cynical, um, and maybe it is over cynical. But the thing is, is this, and I, I I know you're probably already tracking this. Did you know that there's money in traveling around? and preaching at other churches as a visiting pastor or evangelist and leading revivals, there's money in that. And now maybe it's not a huge amount of money, but there is. And so people are motivated to that are good performers, high charisma, are going to go around leading these kind of events. And we have to be skeptical of who they are and what their background actually is. Um, it has to be more than just one church reporting. It's got to be many churches reporting. And then we need to verify, um, do our due diligence to make sure that people that are standing at our church or at our house of worship are not charlatans, are not evildoers. All right. Redmond, Washington, November 10th, 2022. A Sunday school teacher arrested for child pornography had been previously arrested for solicitation of sex with underage persons. Okay, Sunday school teacher with a history of pornography and solicitation of sex of underage people. How is this person leading a Sunday school class? I've been in churches where you could just basically start Sunday school. You could have your own Bible study and all you had to do is raise your hand. And there was no vetting process to ensure that the person was number one, um, you know, at least within a, a line in doctrine and had spiritual maturity or any sort of check to make sure that they weren't completely crazy or had a horrible criminal history. We have to do better. All right, next thing. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, October 1st, 2013. A youth minister in Winston-Salem Church was arrested and charged with being a registered sex offender working with minor children. Kind of the same situation. Obviously, you know, another person to slip through the cracks. And there's a lot of reasons why people slip through the cracks, especially in churches. So one of it is sex offender um, status or criminal record um, there's no, basically what this comes down to is this, is churches don't even have policies that say that, hey, if you're a sex offender or you have a criminal record, those, you know, those are disqualifiers from working at our church or working with children and youth. We have to have some sort of policy. Now, I, to be clear, policies are legal documents that need review by an attorney. But we should have something. And if nothing else, you know, if you're hiring people, you know, you have to have that kind of policy and it has to be enforced. And then what you need to do is look into the option of taking that policy that may already exist at your church and how does that apply to volunteers and making sure that's enforced. So we have to have the policy. Another reason that people slip through the cracks is that they're never even asked about their criminal records <laughs> or they lie about it when they are asked. So, you know, people lie, right? We know this and we need to at least ask and then allow them to lie if that's what's going to happen. But some churches aren't even asking. 
and that's a problem. Um, the next thing is no background check is done at all. <clears throat> I know that sounds crazy to you, but do you realize that most churches still don't do that? That's not good. Next thing is they only have a cursory background check done. And so the problem there is this, is there are a million places that will do backgrounds for you for about 10, 15 bucks, even 20 bucks. And you know what you get? A $15 background check. It's garbage. It's, it's, it's worthless. And so if, you, if the goal is only to check a box and say, hey, you know, we did a background check. It's like, if that's your only point, then by all means, pay for the cheap one. But if you really want to know, you have to pay more and you have to do a thorough background check. All right, next thing. Um, no questions or conversations with previous churches or other references. And so a lot of times these people go from church to church to church to church. And um, nobody does a, a proper check to ask, hey, why did they leave that position? Why were they let go? And then the next one and the next one. Do a reference check. Check on these people. Especially if you're doing, okay, so I, I know I'm talking to safety team members. And I'm going to talk to the team leaders or the safety director you need to look at those references. And we've said this many times before. I don't, I don't want the pastor as a reference. I'm going to talk to the pastor anyway. I'm not going to talk to another ministry leader or another person at my church for a reference check. I'm going to be talking to those people anyway. What I want is I want their employer. I want their neighbor. I want their coworker. These are real references that you can actually talk to. Because we can behave a certain way on Sunday and a completely different way outside. And so those are the people I want. I want to know how they treat their neighbor. I want to know what their employer thinks of them. I want to know what their coworkers think of them. All right. So we have to do reference checks. And, uh, and searches with no updated added information. Basically, what happens is this, is somebody can commit a crime later or it's not yet on their background check and they can kind of slip through the cracks that way. So we need to be constantly updating and looking at those kind of things. So ultimately, so far what I've been talking about is this. This is church policy. Church should have a policy that does thorough background checks on anyone who's working with the kids, anyone on the safety ministry, and um, the, the pastor, ministry leaders, they all need background checks on staff or not on staff. That at minimum, we need to get those people done. Now, I like protectmyministry.com. Great site because um, not only do they do the background checks, they have a lot of additions to it that make it a very thorough operation. They also offer training for anyone working with children. And it's, an on, you know, it's a video you watch. And it's, it's great. It's all great stuff. Definitely check it out. But what I really want to talk to you about today is what can you as the safety team member or safety team leader or safety director do in real time because, you know, like Reagan said, trust but verify. That's exactly what we want to do. Yes, the church has their policy, their procedures, they're doing checks. But I need a little... Um, peace of mind myself. 
And you probably need the same thing. Who is this Yahoo? Not to, I'm sorry, I don't mean that. Who's this person that's, you know, now coming to our church to preach or for a season or who is, or wants to work with somebody else? There's a lot of things that you can do to kind of look into this person and look for any warning signs. So the first thing is this. We're in the information age. And so a lot of things are online. And a short little, a a little bit of work online goes a long way. So here's a good example. One thing that you can do is you can go to your favorite search engine. I like Google. And you can Google them and add a word. So here's what I did for myself is I put in Chris Maloney arrest. And you Google that. And you'll see any reports that come up as an arrest. Now, you have to be careful, especially if it's common name, you know, John Smith. There's probably a billion John Smiths. But this is something that you can look into. And any stories that come up with Chris Maloney arrest, you can look into those and say, is that the Chris Maloney I'm thinking about or is that somebody else? But it gives you, gives you some information. The other thing that you can punch in there is Chris Maloney or whatever the name is. <clears throat> sex offender, Chris Maloney, sex offender, and see what comes up. And you can get some idea of what's going on there. And once again, you got to go deeper. You got to look into that. But this is some personal, some personal research that you can do to give you an idea of what might be going on with the person that you're looking into. So do this. You know, people are still extremely dumb when it comes to social media. You know, it's amazing what people will comment on and how they will comment, you know, what they will say, what they will post. It's like they don't realize that this is going out into the entire world to see. And I have a Facebook account and it's locked down pretty tight, but there's still a lot of information out there on just me. I mean, have you ever looked yourself up? Have you ever done a search? just to see what's out there. And maybe it's not you. You know, there's an actor. His name is Chris Maloney. You know, I'm not an interior decorator. Um, So, you know, but anyway, you know, you look in, just look up yourself and see, you know, type your name in the search bar and see what's there and realize that you can do that for anyone else. So if all of a sudden the church announces, hey, you know, Bob Johnson um, is going to be here for the next two weeks to preach, by all means, look them up. Bob Johnson arrests. Bob Johnson, sexual offender. Look them up. The other thing you can do, in every single safety team member, you need to save this link in your search bar and use it frequently. It's the Drew Shadeen site. Now, you'll never remember and you'll never spell that right. Drew Shadeen, it's, it's D-R-U, Drew and Shadeen is S-J-O-D-I-N. You'll never remember that. That's okay. But if you look for the National Sex Offender Search, so National Sex Offender Search, you'll be able to find this government site that you can search for people. And you'll definitely need to read the notification, the disclaimer, and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, they have some pretty strict rules. Obviously, you can't use this to harass or blackmail people, all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously, those are all illegal uses. But you can look people up. And once you accept their terms and conditions, you can do all kinds of stuff with this. So one of the things you can do is you can look people up by first name and last name. Both first name and last name are required. If they have a name kind of like mine, so mine's Chris with a K, um, you need to make sure you have a proper spelling, I guess. And if I was a CH Chris and you used K, which I am, then you're not going to get good search results. Also, if I'm a Chris, C-H-R-I-S, but my name is actually Christopher, you're probably not going to get good results either. And so you need the proper spelling of their name, and you can just look people up on the National Sex Offender uh, search page. The other thing that you can do, and this is what I really like as a safety team member and as a leader, is you can search by zip code. And so what's the zip zip code of your church. Punch that in there. And when you do that, it'll pull up all of the registered sex offenders in that zip code. What I used to do is I would then print off all their information pages and I would stick it in my pass on book. So a lot of you, if you've been following me, you'll have, you know, on the front part of that three ring binder, you'll have your, um, uh, your patrol log where people can record what's going on, what they did, all that kind of stuff. That way it's kind of like a pass-on log. But then put in a tab page and put in all of the sex offenders in your zip code. And a lot of them include a picture, a description, that kind of stuff. And then you can look at that and you can just be aware. And of course, the children's ministry also needs to be aware of who these people are in the community that are registered sex offenders. And there's other ways to look up. You can put an address and then a certain radius. There's all kinds of ways because what's try, what, what the government's trying to do here because of the tragic story of Drew Shadeen is to put the information out there. And so we need to take advantage of that information so we can be prepared. So I know that was a lot of information very fast, but three takeaways. Number one, do a search on the guy and add their name plus arrest and look and see what the re- results are. You can do me. I won't, I won't hold it against you. Go Chris, it's K-R-I-S, Maloney, M-O-L-O-N-E-Y, and then put, add the word arrest behind it and hit search and see what comes up. Do the same thing. Chris Maloney, you know, a sex offender. Hit search. Um, Both of those will be clear. I guarantee you that. But as an experiment or do yourself (laughs) or whatever, you know, look people up, look that way. And then the other thing is go to the National Sex Offender Search. That's what you want to look for. Go to that site and do searches for your zip code or anyone else, visiting pastor, somebody who... Maybe you talk to in the children's ministry and the hairs go up on the back of your head and like, whoa. And so you talk to the safety, uh, you know, you talk to the director of that ministry and say, hey, did did we do a background check on, you know, John Schmuckatelli? You know, did we look into them? And if they say, yeah, we did, okay, great. But you can still, you know, once again, trust but verify. 
Look them up for your own peace of mind, and you'll know. So, all right, so that's basically it. Um, before I want to let you go, I want to welcome all the new students. Over 200 people signed up for the next quarter. It's going to be a great quarter. We already had the first class, um, security team fundamentals. Went really well, some pretty good discussion. Um, great stuff. If you're not part of that, you're definitely want, going to want to get on board. Other than that, if you like this video, please comment, um, like, share, all those good things. You know, let's get that information out there to other churches. You know, once again, you know, I, so many churches have not even thought about this yet. And it's not because they're negligent. It's not necessarily because they're naive. It's because no one like you told them, hey, are you paying attention? Are you taking it to the next level? Are you in some sort of fog of denial? You know, it's through sharing that really gets this information out. Other than that, thank you so much for joining me this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.